This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Hey everyone, I'm Jessica from the Leaving the Village podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Kathleen, Nate, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions they came from, please feel free to hop onto the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episode of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking on the link in the top banner. See you there. All right. Okay. Welcome to the Thereafter Podcast, a place where we explore life on the other side of faith change. We're here to break down the binaries, deconstruct the dualities, and wander through what it looks like to live in the gray. In church, we were told that life after leaving would be a bitter wasteland of unfulfilling hedonism, but we've discovered quite the opposite. There's actually a vibrant community of people on the other side of faith who are finding and co-creating space for hope and healing. Come along as we explore the all too often uncharted expanse of evangelicalism, evolving faith, and the life thereafter. Welcome to our third mini-sode of our summer break. So excited We're just to be here. matching the chaos of the season of everything else that's going on by just recording whenever, wherever, whenever we However. have time. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, and these are predominantly TwitBit-only uh, episodes where we just mostly talk about what's happening on the internet. Uh, we've we've workshopped because we're like, I don't know what's happening to Twitter. Maybe this we're will become yeah. the, the thread stitch. Or the skeet beat, you know? Oh, there, skeet beat. Did you just come up with that on the fly? I thought about it ahead of time before we started recording. Good for you. Uh, the yeah, the the hive the vibe. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. There's like nine apps. Uh, what do they call them on Mastodon? Toots. Do you know that? Oh, they call uh, they call it, them toots on Mastodon. Oh, that is weird. Um, scoop. <laughs> that's not how I use the word toot, but that's okay. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, but we're recording this on a Friday, and I'm sure by the time the episode releases on Tuesday, there'll be like 12 new apps. So, it, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> the world is moving fast. Yes. Uh, a lot's going on. So where do you want to start, Megan? What should we talk about first? 
Um, well, okay, I want to back up a little bit because we up. missed a couple weeks and there was some shit that went down in the Supreme Court a couple weeks ago. And I know that was kind of before all this chaos happened on Twitter. And so you were kind of had already started moving platforms and there was a ton of discussion about just within a couple days, um, the Supreme Court ruled against affirmative action. Also, um, there was a ruling about um, that kind of was pro queer discrimination for creators like that. I mean, and it was just, um, it, it just kind of was a dark couple days there. And I just kind of want to acknowledge that. And, um, and there was also a ruling against the student loan forgiveness that kind of blocked Biden's plan to forgive student loans. And so there's just a lot of people that we're mutuals with and people on Twitter that were just kind of like, you know, what, what is this? <laughs> and honestly, what it is, is like my whole thing has been like, this is the evangelical long game. And this is like people that kind of colluded politically to um, get evangelicals on board through, you know, abortion or whatever it was to say, hey, vote for Trump because he'll appoint these Supreme Court justices. And it just kind of has been avalanching from there and they're now they're seeing the fruit of it and they're celebrating it. And it just makes me sick. Like it just makes yeah. me sick to think about. Yeah. You had, I mean, you had a lot of these people in my sphere, uh, who were like these never Trump Republicans who ended up voting for Trump and really campaigning for Trump on his second, uh, campaign, uh, to run against Biden and and their whole their whole shtick was it's about the seats it's a whole it's about yep. the supreme court seats that's that's all that matters it doesn't matter how evil how awful how bad you know how against my morals or values et cetera et cetera et cetera um which i think begins for most people or or began for most people like the slow decline into oh it's it's not that big of a deal and then like the slow turn towards he's actually really great you know, like there was there was this like never Trump to, OK, like, you know, we'll deal with it to no, he's actually awesome uh, to we're just totally rewriting history and ignoring tons of things to push our agenda. Um, and it, it really is. I mean, the Supreme Court control that the conservative ultra right got through those two seats is like there's no way to be able to even say how big of a deal how bad it is for the future of america yeah and, and any type of progress politically when he first got elected i i feel like there was this piece of me that was like i mean we were all just like so many of us were like fuck what do we do and then i was like well, maybe we can find a little bit of hope in the fact that it takes so damn long to get any policy through, that there's checks and balances, that there's, you know, things in yeah, place. How much can he actually do? Exactly. Yeah. And and also, like, there's a lot of things that happen at the state level that don't happen at the federal level. So I just had all these, like, kind of like, oh, maybe here and there we could have hope. And I think that seen some of the things that are happening now when he's not even president anymore that i think is is what makes it extra difficult because it's like we got through we survived a presidency with him and now 
it's it's years later and we're still seeing fallback from when he was president and the decisions that he made then. And you're just like, God, when will it end? You know, yeah. and, and in the way that brings set up, it it will be forever. I mean, for the bulk of our lifetimes, uh, yep. the way the the court is currently set up, unless we can expand the court, unless there is some type of, you know, extenuating circumstances that allows for uh you know a, that that inspires a judge to to one of these conservative judges to step down um or pass on <laughs> or whatever it might be we're we're stuck in this situation where where it's going to continue to regress and i think you're right that the optimism is is really low and i think it compounds because you know folks like me are like why like why are we doing biden again like why are we like i don't know if we talked about this on the podcast there was a tiktok that somebody made that like actually did the math on this uh joe biden was born closer time-wise to abraham lincoln's pregnant or presidency pregnancy pregnancy uh, <laughs> abraham lincoln's pregnancy that is wild uh, <laughs> When Joe Biden was born, it was closer to Abraham Lincoln's presidency than his own presidency. Wow. Uh, yeah. Which is, is a is a stat that makes you go like, oh, wow, this man is old. Uh, and he's, you know, always been a very lukewarm, progressive candidate. He's always been relatively unlikable from all sides. I I I was blown away that he got elected. Yeah. The first time I'm very skeptical of his electability for a second term, it's it, it and then people like me feel like I shouldn't say those kind of things cuz I don't want to discourage people from voting or, you know, uh you get a lot of infighting that happens in liberal democratic politics about like oh well you can't you know encourage people to vote third party or not vote or be disenfranchised because that's how we'll get another trump or a desantis or you know somebody even worse so then you feel like well i can't i just i, I can't say anything positive really because i don't believe it i can't say anything <laughs> negative because i then i'm contributing to the possible you know uh possibility of a DeSantis presidency that could like really uh be a nightmare for people and you know things at the state levels at the local levels are you know we're seeing very bad people <laughs> you know there's a lot yeah. of state reps that are uneducated that are passing bad policy uh, a lot of these states are becoming very dangerous for queer and trans people well and I mean look at the supreme court decision about the the website that wanted to not make a wedding website for a gay couple. And I mean, we've seen a lot of articles saying that the, that the whole thing was fabricated and it went all the way to the Supreme court. So here we're like seeing cases about discrimination that aren't even real. That's very purpose is to just say, Hey, we want to put into law an ability to discriminate against queer folks. And so we're going to do everything possible to do that, yeah, whether we need up, to twist the narrative or not, you know, stack up precedents. You know, you already have the cake, you know, thing that was also Colorado. I don't know what the hell it is with Colorado, considering we are a relatively like we are a, 
relatively progressive or you know blue state um it's it's wild to me that both the cake i forget what the name of the company was the cake shop uh, yep. that had the suit go all the way to the supreme court for the gay wedding cake and now 303 creative which is the website case it's just stacking up case law to try to like create this precedent to be able to discriminate in even more directly harmful ways uh, well, and that's the thing. Like we saw, I don't, I don't know if you saw Ashley Thomas, who was on an episode of the podcast this season, um, trying to plan her own wedding and posting on Instagram that wedding venues were turning her and her fiance away saying they didn't have availability. And then when she would call and pose as a straight couple, they would have suddenly availability for the dates that they told her they weren't available for. And so this is just people saying like, we want to actually openly discriminate. We don't want to privately discriminate and it's out of control. Yeah. But, and that's, and that's again, she's in Seattle, another place that you wouldn't yes. imagine this happening, but yet it is, this is not, and not to say it's okay anywhere, but this is not Texas, you know, where we would mm-hmm. expect this sort of right. open bigotry to be happening. Um, anyway, it's it's this whole conversation has a tendency to become very depressing. And I have a segue. I don't have the answer <laughs> to it. I ha- I'm also pissed. I have a segue. Let's. I've do been it. thinking about this because <laughs> while we were talking, um, I remember. Oh, I think it was right before the pandemic. Uh, Michelle Obama was on her book tour for her first book. And I went and saw her interviewed. She came to Portland and she didn't mention Trump by name at all. And, and he was president at the time. Right. And so at the end of the conversation, there was a question from the, the person who hosted the whole discussion that said like, what do we do now with what's happening now? And, and clearly avoiding Trump's name. And her whole thing was let's, let's not like think about what we can't control and what's up there. And she kind of just like waved around her arms and she was like, let's think about how we can connect with people on the ground level. And I think about what's happening with social media and I don't know, like within all the chaos and that's the next thing we're going to talk about. But, um, the bottom line is trying to connect with other people and that's what it's been about for us. And that's been kind of what we're doing here, but holy shit, let's talk about what, what's gone down. It has sunk. Like, I, I don't even want to, I don't even know if I should reference other things that have sunk and imploded recently, but <laughs> I just, I need to say uh, that we that done Elon it. is we tanking this. We haven't done an episode since Ocean Gate. It's that's, that's funny. I, I don't think that we have gotten a chance to, to joke about that. <laughs> no, we have not. And I don't like, I, I mean, I want to like respect, there were like people that lost their lives, but also the level of um, attention that we gave to it. And I, all I could think about and people in my life, in my real life, I will laugh when they hear this because they're so tired of hearing me talk about this. All I could think about was the baby Jessica story that had us riveted when we were, I, I mean, I don't even well? know, were you alive? That's the yeah. girl in the well. I, yeah. so, like I wasn't, I don't think I was like of, if I was alive, I'm not of the paying attention to the news age but i've heard of that story a lot of times growing up that this was a big national phenomenon of yes this girl and in the well. because we were waiting for hours to know what happened and it was very similar to the feeling of like what's happening what's gonna happen but yet we weren't on social media we were like watching the news 
And, um, and I really was like, if I could, if I was good at making a meme, I would make one that was like, when I was your age kids, and it would be like the baby Jessica, like something, you know? And, um, I just kept thinking about it, but then unfortunately ocean gate did not end with the same success that the baby Jessica did, but some of the tweets and TikToks and things about it were, um, am I allowed to say entertaining? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. We, we've we've had this discussion back when I don't know some old guy that we don't like died uh, oh, and yep. <laughs> you know there's gonna be different opinions about how we talk about death and tragedy and uh you know the the bulk of these uh critiques that we're using humor uh I saw a good TikTok from a black creator who was talking about like uh that these things are about systems. These are people talking when people are talking about billionaires, they're not, they're not, they're not talking about these particular people. They're talking about these systems and they're, yeah. they're critiquing a system and you have to make sure you're viewing it in that way. Uh, so that you're not, uh, you know, so it doesn't, so it doesn't seem like we're just like rejoicing in, in, you know, uh, tragedy. Right. <laughs> right. We won't, we won't spend much more time on ocean gate here. There's enough, uh, uh, disaster happening on the social media front uh rate limits what a wild thing that's where it started so I yeah I remember like I I was really really busy on Saturday and so I was kind of in and out and everyone's tweeting about their rate limit and at first I was like that didn't that's not even a thing for me and then like I think I hit my limit within 15 minutes and I was like oh this is this is happening and then I found out that Elon actually or you know dictated that people would not would have a limit on how many tweets they saw. So if you're not on Twitter, that's what's happening. Elon is limiting the amount of tweets that you can see, especially if you don't pay yeah, for an account. But but he rolled it back since then. Yeah, but it rolled it back a little, right? No, like you, he, he he made it so that you don't have to be logged in to see tweets anymore. So this is the funny thing about I don't and and I don't know if the rate limit has changed, but like. When Elon took over, one of his big, like, initial moves was he was like, it used to be when you went to Twitter.com and you weren't logged in, you would go to the login screen. You wouldn't see mm-hmm. tweets right away. Not that you couldn't see tweets. You could go and, you know, see an embedded tweet or you could go to someone's Twitter profile and see it. Uh, but because it was an open API, right? But when you went to right. Twitter.com, you wouldn't see the feed you would just see the login screen telling you hey sign up and log in for an account he was like this is stupid we want people to get right to the tweets and he changed it day one he was like we're changing the landing page to go to the trending page and so then when he took over he was like we want people to see tweets we want people to see tweets you know you should be able to go and just see tweets open this up this is the gatekeepy and blah 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 blah. that was his whole thing and then he gets in there and and then he goes, no, now you have to be logged in to see a tweet. You can no longer embed a tweet, right? When you would see a tweet embedded in a Mashable article or a TechCrunch article or, yep. uh, you know, whatever, you would see the tweet embedded. You can't do that anymore, right? He was like, you have to be logged in to see the tweet. That's the only way rate limits work because if it's public, then you can just go, oh, I'm at my rate limit. Let me log out and look at the tweets, no, you, you, the way that they did it when they instituted this rate limit was like, you have to be logged in and using your logged in credential to see any tweet anywhere embedded. I mean, destroying content across huge swaths of the internet that have oh, embedded yeah. tweets. 
uh, well, and, and but I'm using still, the open API. I'm still seeing people that are saying they're rate limited um, at, since he's changed it. Because for a while, then he's, you wouldn't be able to see tweets at all without being logged in. Now he's rolled that back, but I'm still seeing people say they're rate limited after a certain amount of time. It's it's more time. It's not 15 minutes, but he still has, there's still a limit. My understanding is that there's still a limit on yeah. seeing tweets. Yeah, and there might be. And the API, I believe, is still closed, like the the embedded tweet feature and ability to like use TweetDeck and the ability to use all the other extensions and apps that were connected to the API for free. Uh, it's just it's just wild. Like if you could have gone back and told the creators of Twitter This is what's gonna happen. <laughs> well, is, did you like, see the article that that this all coincided with a um Google Cloud bill that he was not paying? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I did see something about somebody suing him over non-payment, uh, some company, the data company or something. I didn't know it was a like a Google Cloud data or something. But yeah, that, that makes sense that he can't pay his hosting. So he's like, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. wild for like the size of that company, um, because virtually like that is success, like the success of a, a digital, you know, platform like that is to be featured in articles and have your 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 content you know dominating the web right i mean the idea of like wordpress for instance i years i mean it was probably eight nine years ago when i was really in the wordpress developer scene but like wordpress as a internet framework as a as a web framework had hit at one point like 25 percent of the internet 25 percent of the internet was building and using wordpress yeah and that's like that's huge that's success for a internet company to go, Hey, a big chunk of the internet relies on our product. And uh, for a long time, journalists, back is yeah. journalists were, I mean, I've, I've had journalists reach out to me before uh, based on something I tweet to, and for a while, journalists were using Twitter to kind of see trending topics and use them as resources and connect with people that they could potentially interview for whatever, whatever the thing was happening at the moment. Um, so and, you know, there was the whole thing with NPR that that all of that. And so I think anyway, regardless of all that chaos, we need to talk about all of the apps that have been coming on to like t- talk to us about Blue Sky just a little bit because you're yeah. like a Blue Sky guy now. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where I have uh, uh, gone and been primarily. And I had an exchange with somebody the other day uh, in kind of the evangelical space who DM'd me on Instagram. And they were like, hey, what's the deal with – I think they asked me for an invite, and I was like, I don't have an invite right now. Um, and they were like, what's the deal? Like it feels pretentious. It feels exclusive. It feels like I kind of don't want to be there because it's like – so exclusive and elite and whatever right well that's how clubhouse was at first like app developers yeah but app developers have no choice that's my thought about it so that's that's part of it right part of it is it is in beta it it, they have a really small team i think there's like nine developers that work for blue sky um i may be wrong maybe it's a little bit bigger than that but i think they're i think they're up to like eight or nine i i believe um don't fact check me or do fact check me and tell me, I don't know, but it's a small team. And 
invites help scale the website, right? If you have just a billion people sign up for an app and you don't have the infrastructure to be able to handle that, you have what happened with Hive. I don't know if you got on Hive Social. I know a lot of folks like right in the early <laughs> You Elon get on days, everything. <laughs> I get on everything. If I can get on it, I'm going to get on it and try it. Hive Social opened up. It was not an invite only thing. And they were like, we're going to be, it was a Twitter clone, very similar to, you know, now we have Hive, we have Tumblr that's kind of resurged. We've got T2, which is another Twitter clone. You got Blue Sky. We now have threads. We're going to talk about that. But um, what happened with Hive is like it was unusable. Like I would get on, things wouldn't load. It was super slow. It was really laggy. Mastodon, kind of the same way. Everyone was going to Mastodon. And it was like there was a huge, like you would search for a username. It would take three or four minutes for that query to run and find that person. Following people was really hard. It was just, it makes the product really slow. And so by, you know, giving invites out slowly, you scale the platform and you keep the user experience where for the most part, my experience on Blue Sky, I don't have issues. I, I can load. Right. Uh, we call them skeets. We, I can load skeets. I can see them. I can follow people. It's not laggy. It's not buggy. In general, it works pretty well and pretty smoothly. The other thing that they're doing with these invites, I think, is to kind of control culture and adoption, um, meaning that, like, as you bring people into a space, they create a tone and a culture for that app, right? Reddit has a culture that your Reddit power users, there's a culture when you're on Reddit and you're using it. That's been exploding recently. That's a whole other conversation. Um, you know, the culture of Instagram, the culture of all these apps as they grow is, you know, uh, comes from the user base and blue sky predominantly is, uh, very queer. Um, it is, there's a lot of trans folks there. There's a lot of queer folks there. There is a lot of, uh, you don't have this culture of a lot of brands, a lot of big companies, a lot of big celebrities. Yeah. So that really does kind of set the culture for the site. And I think that they've been trying to be intentional about, you know, when you just allow everyone on there, that's what's happening with threads right now. You have libs of TikTok and you have, you know, uh, these people who are getting on there to run these really abusive, large scale harassment accounts. And by having invites be slow, uh, you limit that to some extent. And so, uh, what I was explaining to this person is I get that it does sound pretentious. Here's what I love about blue sky. Um, and I, and I commented on a thread that Hank green, uh, posted the other day about algorithms because he was like, everyone says, I hate the algorithm. I hate the algorithm. But then our actions are, we use it. We go and we scroll yeah. and we're like, Oh, I like that. And TikTok was proof of that. Yep. Right. Like we liked the idea that like, I don't have to follow anyone. I can just get on and scroll and I'm getting content that I like and the algorithms working. So Algorithms are not necessarily a bad thing uh, because sometimes content on the internet is overwhelming and trying to curate your exact content that you like can be daunting and overwhelming and something that people like, I don't know who to follow. I don't know what I'm going to like on this platform. And so an algorithm can help to show you stuff that you're interested in. My, my issue is that algorithms are typically controlled with a particular intent 
by these platforms. The For You page, what gets served to you on your home feed on Instagram, uh, the TikTok algorithm, the what we see now with threads has a particular goal in mind. It's to sell you things, it's to promote brands, it's to encourage advertisers, whatever it might be, that whoever controls that algorithm is using it for probably a particular reason. What I love about Blue Sky is they have opened up the algorithm and allowed for users to create, to build, share, and subscribe to feeds that they like, that they're interested in. So it puts the user in control. When you download Blue Sky, you get three or four kind of like feeds. Your following feed that is like chronological, all the people you follow in chronological order, no algorithm, right? It is just a chronological list of postings. And then you get some control of that. You can control, do I wanna see reposts in my, my home feed? Do I wanna see replies to posts? If I do want to see replies to posts, do I only want to see replies that have a certain amount of likes or do I only want to see replies from people I'm following, et cetera. So you can kind of tweak that feed a little bit. Then you have a mutuals feed that shows you posts from your mutuals, posts and replies. Then you have an only post feed that shows you only posts from people you follow. These are the kind of pre-built ones. And then there's a feed called what's hot. That's like, basically it's like the biggest skeets, the biggest posts from users in a, a certain period of time. But the cool thing is, is they've allowed for anyone to build a feed. So one of my favorite feeds on there, um, shout out to Rudy Frazier, is a black developer who has made a feed called Black Sky. And there's two Black Sky feeds. And one is all posts and replies. And then there's Black Sky only posts. This is a feed that I can go and look in chronological order black users. And I can connect with those users. I can help promote and elevate the voices of those users. Black users can use that feed as a way to connect with each other. And Rudy is just a developer who has made this feed and it's used by a ton of people. There are feeds for cat content that people have made. There are feeds for sex workers and adult content that you can subscribe to. There are feeds for trans folks where, you know, these clusters of users in these different interest categories are getting algorithmically fed out. And I can subscribe to feeds that I'm interested in. There's a science feed, there's a books feed. And Blue Sky as this major corporate interest is not controlling these feeds. Users are. And it is a little bit like where the user base at Blue Sky is predominantly like a lot of nerds and very code heavy. So it's a lot of coders and it's a lot of developers. So for your average user, maybe building an algorithm from scratch is tough, but there's tools that they're releasing now. There's something called Skyfeeds, which is a tool that allows anyone to go in and with a really easy user interface, build a feed. Hey, I want, you know, posts that use these words from people that have these words in their bio. Boom. I can build a feed that gives here's, me content that I'm interested in. Here's my question because, um, we're slowly seeing people trickle into blue sky. It's slow. Mm -hmm. Then threads opened up <laughs> and threads gives you the option to take your entire follower list on Instagram and just pre-follow anyone that's not even on threads yet. And I think that's the biggest game changer between Blue Sky and Threads, where you could just 
mass follow everyone you were already following, not even think about it, and then kind of curate your feed from there. And so I'm I'm curious if Blue Sky will even be able to survive with their slow growth model, which is good, but also there's been people that have pointed out some accessibility issues. And when you start that small, just like Clubhouse did, Clubhouse had accessibility issues in the in the beginning too. You can't, and you can't do everything at once and you're trying to, you know, develop things and, and build it, build the plane while you're flying it kind of thing. So now the threads just came onto the, um, came, came onto the market or whatever, (laughs) onto the scene. Yes. Into the, moved into the neighborhood, the social Um, media neighborhood. That's where I see just everyone opening up. Now there's people that have like very strong feelings about Zuckerberg and Meta and all of that and Instagram and Facebook. And so there's that whole piece. But I guess my question is, do you think Blue Sky is going to survive now that threads has just kind of launched. I hope I hope that it does, but I don't I don't know. I think the thing that that Threads has is they have that network, right? Like mm-hmm. I saw somebody post this on Threads and they're like the thing with all social media apps is the people, right? Like what yes. makes Twitter is like I have all my people there. I have all my friends there. Every other app that I set up on Hive and on Tumblr and on Blue Sky and ever all my people aren't there. The, well, and when the did bulk we stop of people aren't there? When did we stop using Clubhouse? when Twitter Spaces was introduced as an option and all of our people were on Twitter and we were able to then have live conversations with everyone instead of just the people that were on Clubhouse. And so I'm seeing, I'm starting to see, I think that same trend is going to happen with this threads. So you're, you're seeing that. And what, what we're talking about there is access. And I want to be like specific in talking about the difference between access and accessibility because threads is a garbage product when it comes to accessibility. Um, here's the reality is that there's no alt text on threads. There's no way to put alt text in a photo. You can't read. And Instagram has been this way for a long time. Like you can put alt text in your Instagram photos. The feature is kind of buried in the UI. Most people don't do it. Uh, I this week just like downloaded a screen reader or uh, turned on my screen reader on my Apple computer and was like, just click it around on Instagram. It's a very difficult website to use with a screen reader. It's not accessible. Meta has never really given two shits about accessibility. Stories, for instance, there's no accessibility. I thought maybe like, oh, if you're using native text in your story, that text obviously is being read as text. It's not a graphic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook you know, Instagram knows what that text is. Maybe that's usable on a screen reader. Nope. No, it's not. (laughs) There's no way to read any of your text in a story using a screen reader. So accessibility for when we talk about disabled folks using screen readers. And that's what I was talking about with blue sky too, because there's been people questioning and accessibility as well. I mean, access, yes, but also accessibility. And there's, there's been a huge push and it's actually changed the way I've never been very aware of accessibility when using other social media until I got to blue sky, because there was a lot of discourse about it. When I got there, there are way more tools in blue sky currently than we have in threads. There's no captions for video. Like Obviously, there's no videos on Blue Sky. There's no way to post a video on Blue Sky. But videos in threads, no no auto captions, no even option to add captions to your videos yeah. on, on threads. So, which is wild to me that a billion-dollar company, multi-billion-dollar company, builds this thing and does not consider its, its uh, disabil- uh, <clears throat> disability awareness uh, yes. month this month to launch this product in this month and not include basic accessibility in your original product is wild to me. It's a huge 
negligent oversight. Um, and it's a, it's a major issue, but what you do have is you do have access and you have tons of money Meta has tons of money and ability to scale and add features. I hate the feed. The, the thing about threads that I really dislike is like what I was just talking about with custom curated algorithms and custom feeds and ability to really connect with the people I want to connect with. I don't have that on threads. I hate scrolling on there. The majority of people that I'm seeing in my feed are brands, are influencers, yes. are big accounts. That's and what I'm struggling with. I, I think that that it really is hard for people to adopt on a like a like to have big adoption on a new platform when they feel like they're immediately just like outmatched by these huge mega accounts. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I've really loved uh, one person that I've loved connecting with more on Blue Sky was Doug Chu, who I yep. was you know aware of his stuff on Twitter. And he's huge on Blue Sky. Um, he's just a, a prolific poster, very funny. And he's talked a little bit about in some of his posts about how like it gave him the ability to like kind of stand out and get attention in a way that he never had on Twitter because of, you know, all these huge accounts on Twitter mm -hmm. uh, and because of the algorithm and that sort of thing. Um, where on this platform where he could come and it's just based on his posts. If you write good posts, they get seen by more people. And when you're going to a platform like threads where there's already these people already, these people that have this huge advantage by having a million followers on their Instagram accounts, new users that haven't used Instagram, which a lot of Twitter users didn't use Instagram are coming onto this platform and majorly disadvantaged with the ability for their post to be seen in yeah, the algorithm I agree because with that. they're going to get weighted against these accounts that have all this engagement, this pre-built engagement because they were super active on Instagram. And primarily the people who are really good at Instagram are oftentimes not very good at text-based platforms like Twitter. Well, and that's what's going to be interesting to see is how these these large accounts handle the transition from, oh, let's pre-schedule some visual post or some Canva design. And instead, let's um, let's actually say something meaningful and put that out into the world, because I think that there, it's going to be a game changer. And I, I think it'll all kind of just settle and even out. But um, I, I have to say, the whole thing has just been so fucking overwhelming. Like I just kind of shut down and like I, I posted in our thereafter discord and I was like, can I just crawl under my covers and somebody can just like call me when everything is, is kind of done and just let me know when it's, when it's safe to surface again, because it just, I, all I want to do is see my friends and hang out with them. And, and that's not what's happening. My friends are everywhere. I have friends on blue sky. I have friends that have returned to Facebook. I have friends on threads. I have friends that are still tweeting into the void and I don't even know where to connect with people. So it's like, I, I just, it, it can be overwhelming. There's this feeling of being very displaced um, yes. that's happening right now. And I think the frustrating thing for so many of us is, you know, I kind of took this Twitter break like kind of right at the precipice of this big shift um, just for my own mental health. But like, if I really think about it, I don't want another app other than Twitter. I like yeah. Twitter. <laughs> like, I think a lot of us would just like to stay at Twitter. Like, yeah. it's not like we are unhappy with what the product was. There are things that I have learned from 
experimenting and going out there and getting involved in Blue Sky. For instance, like I said, alt text. I never used alt text regularly on Twitter. Blue Sky has a feature that allows you to turn something on in your profile. It's a switch. It's not on by default, but you turn it on in your in your uh, settings, and it won't let you post an image without putting alt text. So you go to post an image, and it goes, oh, you didn't put alt text. And you go, oh, shit, okay, I got to do that. Mm-hmm. And I have not posted an image on that website without putting alt text in it because of that feature um, and because it's you know something that I've now become a lot more aware of. Um, and I don't want to act like I'm like a huge advocate for it because I'm, it's, I'm new. <laughs> I wasn't doing it for a long time. So, so there are these things where I'm like, Ooh, that's cool. I never probably would have, if I just continued using Twitter the way I was thought about that. I learned that from being on a smaller platform where predominantly I've connected with a lot of black and disabled folks, uh, who have talked a lot about that as something that is very important. Um, and I've been able to hear those voices kind of outside of the noise of Twitter. Uh, but I think that it's the frustrating thing is like, we don't want another website. Nobody, nobody wants a different yeah. website that, we, that yeah. loved Twitter. We would love for Twitter to just go back to the way it was and be a place where we could continue building the community that we had there. Uh, and that's the most frustrating thing is that this doesn't have to be this way. We're, none of these companies are innovating things and giving us some type of new option. We're just trying to get back to where we all were two years ago. Well, and that's because at the end of the day, what they care about is is capitalism and profit, right? And and it's not the people. And, and the people are the ones running the apps, and they're not really driving the apps and driving the traffic. And they're just not really giving two shits about the people, and they're just focused on profit. And so here in the meanwhile, we're just trying to carve out space to build these communities and connect with folks. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll still be tweeting out about announcements about our, when we are able to do Twitter spaces, when we are able to have, whether it's in clubhouse where, wherever it is, we'll be, we'll be tweeting it. We'll be putting it on as many apps as we can just to try to make sure that we're staying connected with people. And we always, at the end of every episode, tell people where to find us and follow us. And if you are looking to connect, shoot us a DM somewhere, Instagram, Twitter, wherever, and, and we'll, connect you either in our discord. I I mean, I, I posted a thread and was like, our discord kind of has moved into like Patreon territory. But at, at the end of the day, I don't, you know, if, if, if that is a difficult thing for you, I don't want to put a paywall on it. And so yeah, we'll I'm the same way. You. Like yeah, it, if, you, if you, if you need an invite to the Patreon or to the, uh, a discord, which I have not been super, it was one of the apps that I deleted from my phone when I deleted Twitter and all my other social apps. Um, I'm, I'm almost back to the place where I want to start being a little bit more present on there. Um, I'm kind of coming out of my social burnout. Um, because and it's nice yeah, to have familiar would, faces. Like it's yeah. nice to go into an app and be like, these are where the people that are familiar to me are. And that that's, that's a comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get over to blue sky, if you get an invite and you get over there, um, hit me up over there. I want to, I want to connect with people trying to, to follow people back, uh, and connect. I posted this thing about following mutuals, not following back on threads. And then James Prescott was like, oh, I feel this. And then I clicked it. I was like, oh shit, I'm not following James back. And I had interacted with him several times, but I, I haven't been very good about like 
being able to like even identify some people's profile pictures are different. Some people's handles are different. Yeah. And that's part of the issue too, with like being across all these different platforms is finding people again <laughs> that, that yeah. you were used to connecting with or you connected with for a long time. And now it's like, Oh, now I have to like really figure out how to find people again. Um, it's hard. It's been tough and it feels like there's a loss, which it sounds silly, but it's, 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 an emotional experience to feel like, Oh man, I just lost. It can especially sound funny for people with big follower accounts to like, Oh, you're sad. You don't have your 20,000 followers anymore. But like the reality is like, no matter what the size was, you're losing touch with a bunch of people that you have interacted with for a long time. Well, and I think the reality is that there's a lot of folks in our community and in the communities we're adjacent to that, um, that, that have been displaced in some way or another from families, from friends, from church communities, from other communities. And social media has been a place to find family like connections and even kind of chosen family. And so, you know, I, I, I don't think it's silly. I think it's been so meaningful for folks that, and, and I, I mean, I think about every time I go for work or for running, like every time I go to a new city, there's always somebody that I am able to have sit down and, and have a meal with and connect with that, that we've known each other for two years on social media. And it's, it's just an amazing thing to see the, the reach that it's given us and the connection that it's given us. And so I think, yeah, it is, it is a loss it's, and it is emotional, but I also think there's ways to still stay connected. And I'm hopeful that this, this whole chaotic moment will kind of settle and we'll all just kind of settle into our groove of wherever, wherever, wherever we land. Yep. And maybe we'll expand the court and uh, elect a non-shitty president and break up Meta into uh, a, a bunch of individual companies so we destroy their monopoly on uh, harvesting billions of people's data. Um, and yeah, maybe, there, maybe we can be optimistic that all there that stuff go. will happen and, and the world will be right again and the internet will be a non-toxic place. Um, I want to believe that, that that could happen. I, I, I'm with you. Let's, let's leave on a little bit of a hopeful note. This a little bit of hope. <laughs> yeah. This was an interesting conversation, probably as chaotic as all the other shit that's been going down. But, um, where can people find you Cortland and the podcast? Yeah, I'm at Cortland Coffee all over the various apps that we've just talked about. Uh, I'm at Cortland.me on Blue Sky. Uh, it's the only platform where uh, you use you can use a domain as your uh, username. So I have that domain. So I'm at Cortland.me on Blue Sky, everywhere else at Cortland Coffee. Uh, and then, of course, the podcast is at Thereafter Pod in most places, at Thereafter Podcast on Instagram. Not quite yet on threads, probably will be. Uh, we'll probably get that rolled out relatively soon. Uh, Megan, where can people find and connect with you? I'm at the Pursuing Life on all the places. Cool. And then, except uh, when I'm under my covers, <laughs> then I'm just under my covers, hiding from the world. <laughs> uh, you can't find her there. Uh, so yeah. And then uh, thereafterpod.com uh, for links to all the things to join the Patreon. And like Megan said, if if you're wanting to get into the Discord and cost is a barrier for being able to join the Patreon, we don't want that to be an issue for anybody. Um, hit us up in the DMs on one of those platforms, and so we can get you an invite and, and have you hanging out in there. There's a, a few hundred, a couple hundred of us at least. 
least in there, right? Um, yeah, so it's a good, good time. Good group of folks. We'd love to have you. All right, that's a wrap. Until next time. Till next time. <laughs>